My name is Ollie Peer. And I am Tim Warwood. And this is the He said the apray. Uh, this is a podcast more out of this world than Jeff Bezos's phallic shaped tin rocket ship. <laughs> and here's what's coming up on the show. Actually, as I didn't just work on the tills, I was a litter picker and I used to collect trolleys. He would be breaking the speed limit, skiing down any road in the UK. And they're still racing, so everyone's like, you're right, you're right, oh, you're right. <laughs> that was, I was, I, uh, I really thought I was going to win. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Welcome hi. to the Apray. Welcome to the Apray Log Cabin. Uh, why are you welcoming me? I've been here a million times. It's, uh, you know, it's, home. it's just the, it's home more the place. listener, more more everybody. Pleasure to have oh. pleasure to have everybody here, isn't it? How, what, what a joy! We, yeah, can we just start though with the um, uh, the big fat elephant in the room, which is that, and I hate breaking the pretense here, but you are actually in the mountains, aren't you? Um, you horrible, horrible man. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I know mm. somebody has to do it. I, this is a treat, yep. though. This is an absolute treat. And I know it's a treat, and I'm enjoying it like a treat. Uh, but I am here uh, working, but the working is very... Yes, okay, I'm just here on a holiday. Uh, I'm working for Ingham's, Ingham's Skiing. Um, they've brought us out on a nice little jolly to film some advertisements. Advertisements. Mm. Um, for next year's winter holiday campaign. And I'm out, actually, with friend of the podcast, Shemi Alcott. Oh, I love Shemi. Yeah. Is she, I bet she's keeping things all lovely and buoyant while you're out there, isn't she? Very much so. And mm. I think in our previous podcast, uh, when we chatted to her, she did describe herself as an Energizer bunny back then, didn't she? She very did. much is the Energizer bunny. I yeah. had, I, I, she basically made me go to the gym with her and do a, do a workout, like a pre-slope Ooh. workout the day before. I then rode all day, right? Bearing in mind, I haven't ridden all day since my season, my last season in 2007, have I not ridden all day anywhere. We came home, we went to the swimming pool, had to do a bit of filming. She then made me go and do night skiing. Um, so subsequently today, I can't actually walk. You're, um, you're so relatable, Tim. You're so relatable. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, yeah, no, I was just hanging out with Shemi Alcott and then she was just, like, forcing me to go swimming with her and going for night skiing. I mean, come on. Sorry. Hate, hate your Hey, life. it's good, I though. Have... The mountains are still here. They're snowy, and you could be here having a good time as well if you just wanted to book yourself a little holiday. Um, because I tell you what, restrictions, travel restrictions have opened up, and it is a lot easier. Masks on the plane, and that is it. No PCR tests, no passenger locator rubbish. It's just masks on the plane, and its normality is resumed. Who's that? Paddy. I know that voice. Paddy who? It's Paddy Graham. Oh, do you know what? I knew it. I knew it. Sheffield-born pro free skier, contest winner, magazine starlet, video star, video filmmaker, DVD maker, TV personality, newly made dad, and all-round fun time maker. It's Paddy Graham! Woohoo! It's nice and cosy in hey, here. Hey, Paddy, come in. Come into the chalet. Put your feet up by the fire. Relax. I'm wine. What's your drink of choice? Do you want a drink? What would you like? Um, oh, I'll have a, an eggnog since we're in the States. <laughs> Ooh, that's fucking weird. Why are we in the States? Who said we we're in the States? You can have an eggnog, you weirdo. I like that he's metaphorically put himself there anyway. I like he's put himself in the States because that's where he thinks we'd be. Maybe that's maybe we're giving off that vibe. I'm just seeing seeing the um, the dead bear on the wall, though, you know, and it's just giving me that state <laughs> stateside vibe. Is there a dead bear? Is there a dead bear on my wall? Uh, where's the dead fucking bear? I don't know what you're... What? What are you talking Listen, about? What dead so listener, bear? Listener, just to give you an insight into what is currently happening in Ollie Peart's psyche here. Before we press record, um, Ollie made me describe to Paddy what the log cabin was all about. So I said, well, Paddy, just put yourself there in your own head. Paddy's fucking going with it, and Ollie Peart is having a fucking mental breakdown. For fuck's sake, Ollie. No, there's not a dead bear behind you. We're not in a fucking log cabin, Ollie. Jesus Christ. What? 
But what the what? Right. Glad you like the the bear. Whatever. Um, I want to just. I want to start. Tim said you're a new dad. I'm a new dad. Can we talk about that briefly? How new oh, are you? Congratulations. At, at being a dad. My son was born um, on the twenty seventh of December. So, what's that like? Yeah, two and a <gasps> half months. Two and a half months. Yeah. How are you find my, my mine was born on the eleventh of November. So we're not not too far apart. How are you finding it? How's it all going? I'm really enjoying it. Like, obviously, it's a a bit of a different pace to life. There's like loads to do, but there's not that much to do. Less sleep, but <laughs> being able to go skiing a little bit. So it's it's been good. It's been awesome. I'm loving it. Can I ask then? Are you one of those dads? And I don't know if Ollie would be, but I, I'm kind of one of those dads. So I took Lila when she was only five years old. We went um, snowboarding and I snowboarded down with her on my back and I put it on Instagram at the time. And Instagram went mental. They're like, you idiot, that's so that's so awful. And how dare you, blah, blah, blah. And Lucy at the time was like, I'd sooner Tim snowboard with Lila on his back than actually carry her along the road because he's more clumsier on his feet. But... Are you one of those dads? Would you would you be happy to ski with your son and a little papoose on the back and get him out there in the mountains? Yeah, I reckon that'd be. Uh, I reckon I'd, I'd be all right with that. I, I think I'd be more more into like going skiing with him than putting him on the back of my bike because there are cars around um, when you're on your bike. But also there are yeah. like there are like rogue punters around on the slope as well, aren't there? When you snow when you're skiing or snowboarding down, which could <laughs> crash into you, which would be disastrous. Yeah, that would be disastrous. Have you actually been out yet? With no, no, that's too small, isn't it? I was about what a stupid, que- what a fucking stupid question that is. I was going to say, have you been out with them yet? But that's just so stu- like on you, attached to you. Because I saw someone with um, a, a friend, another friend of mine had a six-month-old in a papoose skiing, and I thought that's a little young, isn't it? Do you not think six months? A bit fragile, aren't they? Like, uh, but they're also like quite like soft when they're little so i'm not sure he's been to two two Spongy. ski hills though around innsbruck because his mum's been skiing so i was sat at the bottom uh at the apres ski just hanging out with him oh so actually you'd say he's been to ski hills he's actually been to two apres bars already i love that <laughs> yeah oh so come on paddy let's start the start then uh born in sheffield definitely a product of the ski village yeah i um I started skiing when I was 10, um, summer holidays, you know, like one of those three-day uh, taster classes because I knew there was a ski a ski trip when you get up to comp in the secondary school. So mum and dad said, oh, why don't you go in the summer and try it out because then you could go on the ski trip with school. And since that first first taster lesson, I guess I got the bug and, uh, and I just started to live at the ski slope basically. Every Thursday and Saturday, I'd be up there, which Wicked. was great. And I think I met, I guess I met him um, when I was maybe a few years after. Um, well, I didn't meet him. I knew who he was because he was the, the rad snowboarder guy who came to the AIM series. Rad? <laughs> what, yeah. what are you talking I about? <laughs> I used to be rad back in the day. I've seen the photos, Tim. I've seen the photos. Oh, man. But yeah, Sheffield Ski Village is where, where it all started. And what was that What was that like? What was it like growing up in Sheffield? I've been to Sheffield. Me and Tim actually spent a bit of time in Sheffield together. We were filming out there. Out there. We were filming there. And uh, I, uh, I, I can imagine it being an interesting place to grow up. What was it like? It is pretty out there for you, isn't it? It's like quite far north. It was, it was really nice growing up in Sheffield. I liked it. We didn't grow up in the city. We, were, we lived um, about 20 minutes from the city centre. Closer to Rotherham, actually. And if you've ever been to Sheffield or Rotherham, Rotherham's um, the less nicer um, part of uh, the valley, I guess. It's in a bit of a valley there. But Sheffield, really nice. We did lots of sports growing up. I had an older brother who, uh, he was into football and then he was a lot into music. So I was always listening to music growing up that my brother was playing or blaring, blaring through the walls. He was a big fan of Oasis, so I know like every every word to Oasis without ever ever listening to them myself. Really, oh, by osmosis. Oh fucker! <laughs> um, and so you very quickly transitioned to the pro lifestyle. You moved to you moved to Europe quite early on to do your seasons. Is it fair? Have you lived in Have you lived in Europe now, like mainland Europe, more than you have the UK? 
Um, yeah, good question. Actually, yeah, over half. Yeah, yeah. I've been living um, in Europe for 18 years. Um, but I did my first yeah. season in Saint Chevalier in France. I went out there when I was 16. So I did my GCSEs and then I did the ski season. Oh Parents let God. me do Amazing. that. Like, that was uh, say thank you to them as always. But I remember I went. They, they made me go to school <laughs> to uh, to get talked out of it. Probably I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was talking to the teachers and they were like, just go, it'll be amazing. Like, you can come back to school next year if it doesn't work out. Um, <laughs> so that was my that was my ticket out of there by then. Um, and I started staying, oh, I started doing seasons coming back and forth from, from the UK to Europe or down to New Zealand and stuff in the summer. And I, I've been living out here full time, I guess, about 12 years. How did the... How, how does the transition happen where you are kind of like, I mean, Tim said, oh, you trans- transitioned into, into, into pro-life, you know, just like that. But wh- how did that happen? What was the sort of the thought process, the decision? How do you make the decision to go, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to be a pro skier? Um, well, I was skiing on the dry slopes in the UK and I was sponsored by a ski brand when I was about 14. So they would like, they got us into doing like, competition circuits in the uk and doing tours and visiting all the the different dry slopes and they they took us out um on snow for the first time actually and i mean once i started doing seasons it wasn't like i was making money you know i'd come home in the summers and go and work at asda on the tills um or i'd be a gardener Actually, at Asda, I didn't just work on the tills. I was a litter picker and I used to collect trolleys, like multitasker. <laughs> That's good. Was there any, just quickly, was there any competitiveness between the, the till scanners? I think I've seen an Alan Partridge sketch where he talks about being faster than Janet on number four. Was there any of that between you, like Asda, you know, like the competitiveness <laughs> to see how quick he could scan? Well, Janet on number four would get annoyed at Patrick on, on number six because he was too fast. <laughs> And he wouldn't chat too long to, to the customers. You know, I'm boop, 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 done. Ring it up, give me your money. Um, and I'd never ID anyone because I'd be embarrassed because I was too young to like, I was younger than everyone. So <laughs> everyone. You were that guy. Yeah. You were that guy that would, everybody would come to you. So you had like all the other tills were empty, but you'd have an absolute row of underage kids to buy. Why is that queue so fucking massive? Um... But yeah, I don't, well, what was the question about being a pro skier? <laughs> yeah, just how you kind of, how you how you sort of make the decision. Like, I feel like it, you know, often you hear these stories and it seems like it's quite an orga- organic thing. Uh, you know, people do start quite young, they get sponsors and, you know, it starts off where they just kind of give them a free pair of socks and then a free board or whatever and then, uh, or free skis. And then eventually sort of it, it turns into making a little bit of money. But when did you kind of think, all oh, right, no, this this is what I'm going to do. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make this work as, as as a career. And I know that sounds like a weird way of putting it, but there must be. I mean, you're 34, Paddy. You know, there's a there's a there's a point. You you know, to be doing what you're doing now and doing it as a career, you've made a success of it, which a lot of people aren't able to do. They're not able to do. So, did you have a plan? Were you like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna make it work. I know that I can I can make ends meet. I mean, you've got a kid. You know, these things cost fucking money. You're earning money. I'm just intrigued as to how you made that decision. Yeah, um, well, I had to make it work because I told my mum and dad that I was going to make it work and otherwise I'd have to go back to school. (laughs) But I think after the first couple of years, or, yeah, after the first few years of of doing doing winters and having these sponsors and stuff, like, I was quickly, like, caught on to, like, the industry and, like, where the where the companies were from that's that's where you wanted to be sponsored you wanted to be on these like international teams so you didn't want to be working with the distributor in the uk you wanted to be working directly with the brands uh, with their head officers in order to to get the best connection to the companies and and like well get the best deals really and i, I would do competitions and at the same time we'd also um, be filming a lot and making ski movies and and about or oh, what was it like 2009 2008 2009 me and my friends started making our own ski movie ourselves um we were called legs of or we're called legs of steel and we started producing our own ski films so at the start of every year you make a concept you need to get the funding for it 
you produce all the ski footage throughout the year. In the summer, you edit the movie and then you organize some premieres and some sort of di distribution. And then that's like, that's like your year cycle. And I've been doing that since then, since 2009, basically. So at any point when I thought, oh, this, just the skiing isn't doing it for me. I was always working on, on ski films. So whenever I'm injured, working on projects and things like that, that has now created a job for me as well as skiing. What do you think the success has been behind Legs of Steel? Why, why do you think your movies have been so successful? And, and why do you think... Because you, you've gone against the norm, really. You know, when, when, when everyone was doing baggy clothes rail edits, you were doing glossy kind of more slightly tighter fitted clothes you know you're bringing together a, a different group of skiers it wasn't always necessarily the cool guys it was the it was always the fun guys and they're always the and this is this is from a snowboarder talking but you know like i always see your movies as being really kind of really fun but really inclusive but there's always you've got that wow thing and was it a conscious decision and and again got to go back to the first question is like what do you think makes your movies so successful because you've got a really loyal fan base as well haven't you yeah we started off i mean basically we started off our like niche i guess is that we liked rock music and every other crew or ski movie they would be they would be like reggae music or or they'd be like super mainstream so i guess we were a little bit more rock than the other guys another thing is is that none of us or like the original guys or the riders none of us can actually film or edit so we always had to outsource that, <laughs> which wasn't great. <laughs> but that meant that we... Hey, we're going to set up this uh, production company making films. Can you film? No. Can you edit? <laughs> nah, nah. We'll be all right, though. We'll, we'll fucking wing it. We'll be fine. But that, that meant that we had, to, we had to get budget from somewhere to pay someone else to do it. Like, I mean, that, that's as, as much of a, as a weakness it was that we weren't in the actual production itself. It kind of, it was our strength because we had to get the money to pay people because we didn't want to be spending our own money because we don't make any money because we're pro skiers. This is the thing, I mean, going into the film industry just anyway, just any kind of film making, any kind of film production, whether it's kind of TV, uh, Hollywood films, all that kind of stuff, it, it's notoriously difficult and tricky. People say no a lot, all the time. How did you persuade people to go, yeah, here's a, here's a bunch of money? Or did they say, I'll tell you what, go and make it, then we'll give you the money afterwards. So I think from an outsider's view, seeing people live that life that you live, which is just fucking incredible, just skiing and making films, that's basically what you do, getting a sense of how that can actually work and be a lifestyle. I mean, is there a grind to it? Is there like a day-to-day a -day that actually people aren't fully aware of? Or is it as good as it looks? Yeah, I think when we were only making like one movie a year it was literally all our exposure would come out of our films um we go to the odd competition here and there but everything we did during the year would be our exposure to the sponsors which kept our personal uh, careers afloat what we went for as well as being the the rock guys um that didn't last very long yeah. um but or maybe it did in the it did in the, in the music um, but we would we would go for yeah, yeah the, the high quality cinematic um, view of the films. So we started working with a, a Canadian lad, Andre. Um, really early on, we met him on a trip in we met him on a trip in Canada, or the other guys met him on a trip in Canada because that filmer left and had to go home. So then Andre came to look after it or to fill his fill his role. And Andre was a, a mountain bike filmer who had a total different eye for everything and was very, very anal about getting all these perfect shots. If there was a, another skier track in the shot, he didn't want to shoot it. He wanted everything perfect. Um, so we were perfectionists in that sense. And it stood out in the films, um, I guess. And people saw the quality, quality that was delivered and the amount of effort we put into it because a lot of it was either backcountry filming, so powder, uh, big mountain stuff or we would create our own jumps our own parks to ride uh, we wouldn't just go to the public park and film with everyone around it'd always be very yeah exclusive and uh and polished well that's i was going to say i mean you, you can't talk about the legs of steel movies without some of the epic proper jaw-dropping 
shots that you know it's like synonymous with for you guys that have done so where did those ideas come from like and ollie i know ollie knows but for the listener if you if you if you don't know we'll, we'll get a little link in the show notes you're gonna have a look but i actually went and filmed one of these sessions being done the crossover jumps where essentially they built a jump that you looked at it you looked like you were looking at a snowboard park but actually 20 riders dropped in and hit the jumps at the same time so i think at one point there was 12 guys in the air at any one point crossing over at different heights different trajectories I mean, that was, they're, they're just so insane. It's so nicely filmed and shot. So where, where did the, all these ideas come from? Um, I think the first time we did that, it came uh, Toby, another guy, uh, Toby Rindle. He started Legs of Steel as well. And he always comes up with some really creative ideas for us to do, especially the park stuff. And yeah, that one, the first one we did, it was inspired by Nitro Circus. Like Nitro Circus had just started and they do these yeah. big shows, these big motorbike shows and everyone's jumping at the same time. And we were like, well, let's, why don't we do that on skis? Um, no one's done that. And since the first, oh, from the first one we did, it was, no one had ever seen it before. So it really stood out to everyone. I'd like to say that none of our films have been the same. Maybe one or two have been similar. Um, but we've always tried to come up with something new every time, something fresh. So it's not like every time you tune in, you know what you're getting. It's always going to be different. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, not taking yourself too seriously as well is always a good uh, a good way to to go, I guess. And and Paddy, I'm um, I'm definitely not reading this off the internet, but you <laughs> you <laughs> attempted the biggest freestyle jump ever attempted. Is that right? That is correct. That was a, that was another a crazy another crazy idea that popped into someone's head. Hey, let's make a jump which is bigger than any jump that's ever been made to get the the world record of airtime on a single jump. Um, usually when you see a, a big jump in the park, they're about um, 24 metres gap over the tabletop, which you have to clear, and you get about 3 seconds, 3.4 seconds of airtime. So we were like, all right, we want to get 4 seconds of airtime. And then we ended up with this jump, which was... Almost 50 metres, or about 50 metres to Sweet Spot. We managed to convince some partners, some sponsors to, to fund that. And all of a sudden, this, this monstrosity of a jump was built. And I was stood at the top and I'm like, shit, I've got to hit this now. <laughs> this was kind of my idea. I'm going to have to go first. Okay, now let me put this into context for you. Because again, I was lucky enough to go there and witness this firsthand. And you could see this jump from the road from kilometers away it was late season in Lavinia, and you could see this huge pile of snow and it's one of those kind of that's no moon you know from star wars that was the kind of moment as you're approaching <laughs> you were looking and correct me if i'm wrong this jump was so big i shit you not there was an avalanche warning for the town below at the bottom of the valley because this thing they actually feared that it was such a huge amount of snow and in weight in one position that it might slip and if the whole thing slipped it could take out the town that's how big it was is that wrong paddy or did i dream that up no that's correct i think the village below they called the police um to find out what was going on to find out if it was safe (laughs) oh my god oh my god that difference between you were saying it's like three and a half seconds, but you know, on a normal twenty-four meter jump, and you were saying this one's like fifty meters, and you were aiming like four seconds airtime. How much airtime did you actually get in the end? Yeah, the, first, the so I I hit it first, and it was about four seconds of airtime. And I was with two other lads, and they hit it as well. And we were like, right, when we're doing this jump, because it's so big, and like the tiniest variable will could be catastrophic. Um, we'll be very careful and we'll only hit it in the best conditions. So we hit it the first day once and then called it a day. It was a big success. Went to the restaurant, had a few beers. Tim told lots of funny stories. It was great. Um, we had that risotto. Can you remember? It was made in a... It, 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 was, made, it was made in a cement yeah. mixer. Can you remember? Yes. Um, they made the risotto in a cement mixer. I was like, this is, this is so Italian. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. Um... But yeah, then then the next the next day came when we went up to hit it, and it wasn't the best. It was like call it window shopping when when it's like cloudy and then it's sunny and you know conditions weren't great and it wasn't it wasn't that stable. 
but there was all this pressure on the project to make it happen and all of a sudden I was at a, I was alone up at the top of the jump but I was so confident in it because we'd done it the day before and I was like oh I'll do it again and then the other guys will join and then I dropped in that day and I, I was going about I think I was going seven kilometers too fast that's seven kilometers over 110 kilometers what we hit it the day before so I was going 117 kilometers the next time I hit it and just went too big that's 117 kilometers an hour that is he would be breaking the speed limit skiing down any road in the UK that's how fast he was going yeah and and so I flew I flew oof, about 70 meters um, horizontally and I from the lip uh, I guess I went up about 13 meters there's a there's a measuring pole on top of the jump so there's a picture and I'm over the top of this measuring pole and then I just disappear down into the landing but the landing I'm, I'm not hitting the landing I'm just going down at the same angle of it all the way down and I'd, from the top to where I landed was about 30 meters luckily I landed on my feet and I mean, that's mental, isn't it? I was just trying to sort of like work out, you know, with the jump, because obviously you have, uh, if you have a standard like ski jump, which would not a freestyle jump, but a ski jump, you know, those guys are going, what, 140 meters or whatever it is. You know, it's a long old way, but they're no higher than, I don't know what the highest they get off the deck, maybe four meters, four, five meters, something like that. It's not all that high, but you were 13 meters off the lip and then you were, and then you dropped 30 meters down to the bottom of the, of the landing it was absolutely massive i'd say it was like the stupidest thing i've done but what paddy what did it feel like um <laughs> just instant regret of the last <laughs> of the last six months ah. of planning that um, oh no oh, <laughs> but it was it was just oh. when i was in the air i was it was just damage control it's like all right we need to manage this i need to try and land on my feet i need to you know not not get a limb out when i crash um to minimize what's going to happen and that it's i say only it could have been much worse i only um uh, ruptured some uh, quite a few ligaments in my knee and i broke my ankle as well but i mean it could have been way worse so I got off really yeah. lucky on that. I love, I love, I love, I love, I love that. I love that you were just like, yeah, no, I only, any ruptured. The word rupture came up. I was like, yeah, no, I only ruptured a few <laughs> ligaments. And like, just dam- damaged my, <laughs> broke my fucking ankle. That's what I did. What did you actually do in the air? Did you pull a trick? What did you do? It was just a straight air, and it was probably the biggest flail of all time. A- after the fact of that, we were, we said, well, imagine if the jump would have worked and we were going big, and you would have like over-rotated a trick at any point like it would have been absolutely disastrous um it would have been yes you were going so fast and so much force it would have been uh, it would have been really sketchy do you think it's fair to say then that jumps are as big as they can go it, it, you can't really go much bigger can you in what we're seeing you know what we're seeing say let's say for instance the, the big air at the olympics that we've just witnessed and we're seeing burke rude knockout quad corks and 1980s you know it is is freestyle skiing going to get much bigger? Are we going to see bigger jumps? Yeah, I think I think when it comes down to like physics and science behind everything, I think to keep it safe and and you know a limit that people aren't just going to get absolutely wrecked if they have a minor minor bobble. Um, I think it's about yeah what what we see now. I think it'd be hard to go much bigger than that. With that in mind, then Paddy, what is what's next? You know, where do you where do you go? I mean, uh, what's your what's your next big plan? I mean, that was in 2017, so that was already five years ago. Um, and I think since then we've really, and for me as well, really just concentrated on having a, having a good time and enjoying skiing. Um, you know, always chasing powder. I mean, you know, you can't beat everyone who listens to this podcast must be a skier or a snowboarder. Um, and you'll know that a powder turn is just, you can't beat it no matter who you are. If you have a good powder turn, it's just amazing. So, And you can't perfect it. You can't. Everyone's different. Like every single turn you do is different and it gets better and better and better. Yeah. But, and I hate to, I hate to bring this up again, 
but you know I, I like asking these questions you're 34 you've got a kid you know like what's the you know you can only there's only so much of this you can do tell um, him about your tv show yes well yeah um yeah, just to I mean, just also so, say, I'm going to just ramp this in and throw this in. There's about a 58 minute delay from when I talk. I'm so sorry, but no, 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 just two all, things, we're all, Ollie. We're all aware of it. In. We're just we're all aware of it. Okay. Tim. We're, we're kind of coasting through. We're trying to fucking deal okay. with your right. shonky as fuck internet. Right. What were you going to say? Go on. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. So uh, the last couple of years, I've been doing some presenting on snow. We did a we followed the Freeride World Tour with Red Bull and I presented a show with that where I got to go and meet some of the athletes and go skiing with them and then I'd I'd watch the event and you know report back on what was happening um, which was really fun but I was like at the Freeride World Tour and I'm watching I'm like God I want to do that that looks that looks sick uh, but then I was also <laughs> like well actually I don't know if I do want to do that because look how dangerous it is um, because the the great thing about filming and and what i get to do when we're making movies is that we choose when we want to ski and we choose the best conditions so no one's telling us to go down the gnarliest mountain with all these rocks and ice and moguls sometimes that you see so we're really choosing it and we've been been very smart on what we ski um so then this year we we made another show with red bulb um where i got to meet my heroes of free skiing basically some pioneers of the sport and that was really cool because the the end product is has a lot more substance and knowledge than just ski porn you call it you know when you just watch a a movie and it's just tricks and tricks and tricks it's a much more informative mm -hmm. product but i still get to go skiing with with these rad guests um and show off basically nice yeah well, it seems like you got it wrapped up pretty good there so I'd like to do more of that in the future, for sure. I'm not surprised. Hey, uh, I think it's about time that we jumped on the chairlift. What do we think? What do we think, Tim? Good plan. Let's get on the chairlift. Let's get out there and go skiing. Come on. No. Now... I don't know how much uh, Tim's prepared you for the chairlift, Paddy, but uh, this is where we would like for you to share a story from the slopes that's like a little bit just that people might not know. And it could be anything. It could be that you, uh, I don't know, um, shat yourself while, I don't know, just shat it's yourself. It could just also be a story about when you shat yourself. Chairlift. <laughs> yeah, it's also worth knowing that the chairlift, there's no jurisdiction on this chairlift, so you're not going to get arrested for any tales that come out whilst on the chairlift. No, no, no. You can, you can, you can share anything with us. So all we want to hear from you, uh, Paddy, is uh, we just want you to spin a yarn and tell us a story from your days of skiing. It can be from when you were 14 back in Sheffield, and it can be from when you were 32 in wherever you said you were. Schladming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's ever been to Schladming. It's more of a haven for night skiing slalom boozed up revelers than it is uh, free riders but I don't know maybe Paddy's taken to the do, do, I'll ask you that quickly have you ever donned the lycra I know you've hung out with a few races in the past but have you ever have you ever bashed some gates that's not a euphemism Ollie <laughs> um, no unfortunately uh, unfortunately not I've never I've never um, been into racing um, I have one um one race I've been involved in, which it was in Lax at the Brits. So it was the end of the day in Lax, and it was called the Red Bull Home Run. And it's basically um, oh, an yeah. event where you have about 100 people at the top of the slope, maybe more, top of the mountain, and it's a running uh, Le Mans start, they call it. So you put your line, everyone lines all the gear up, skis, snowboards, and whatever. And it's a race from the top of the mountain to the bottom. Bearing in mind, it's the end of the day, so the slopes are absolutely... Well, they're just all cut up and there's moguls and it's, it's terrible. And at the end of a long day, whilst I'd been powder skiing in the morning and then I'd competed in the big air at the Brits that day and then decided it was a good idea to do this race at the end and I wanted to win. And, well, my legs, I'd got jelly legs probably which I didn't even know about because I was so pumped up on adrenaline of all these all these people racing to the bottom. So I set off, boom. 
bit of a bad start, but I managed to dodge a, dodge a few of the first collisions. And I'm going down the slope, and I, or, I knew I had to hold out until like there's there's one big steep bit at the end of this run in Lex, and I was like, as long as I get to there, I'm pretty fast on on the flat bits. Um, so by the time I got <laughs> I got to this this the the last corner into the steep bit, I was absolutely out of control. Like I couldn't even turn anymore. Um, and at the bottom of this this steep slope coming out, I just, uh, I just my body just gave up. I think they were just like, yeah, we've had enough of this. And I just start, I just tomahawked <laughs> down the slope into the into like into the into the powder on the side. It wasn't powder because it was in it was in the springtime, so it was all uh, yeah, right, all you have it. That was I was I uh, I really thought I was going to win if I could just get to that bottom bit. Um, but no, I was done. Um, and that's my racing experience. Blimey. Survive. Yeah, it's probably quite a gnarly race, to be fair. Go on then, get the bar up. Here we are, top of the lift. Uh, Paddy, let's take a run. What's your run of choice? Be honest, it's your last run ever. What are you going for? <laughs> you can either have the most perfect mogul run, you can either have the most deep, bottomless powder run, or maybe a timeless run through the park with a couple of really nice floaty spins. What are you going for? We'd, we'd definitely take the left off the T-bar at the top of Sheffield Ski Village and go all the way to the end, to the far skier's right of the main slope and, and get on the mogul run, Dendex mogul run that went straight into waves. And when you're in the waves, you could actually take some air off the waves and jump into the bushes. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Amazing. That would be my run of choice if I so could. So yeah, good. If we could do it again, why not? Let's go. If you could go do it again, <laughs> imagine. Nice. Was the Sheffield? What was the Sheffield dry slope? Was that the one that got set on fire? Was that the one that went alight, or was that another one I'm thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. No, it absolutely was. Yeah, and actually, Ollie, I will correct you. Yeah, vandalised. I will correct you there, Ollie, because it's not a dry slope. It's a dry resort. <laughs> it's a tea bar that took you to the top and offered you a variety of runs. You had the, the snake run, which bent round to which actually went under a bridge. It was unbelievable. And then you had the main slope. You had a half pipe. You had a jump. You had a, you had a quarter pipe. Then, of course, you had the, the moguls, skiers right with the waves at the bottom, and it all converged down at the bottom. I mean, this thing was a work of art. And very much like Paddy's Leap, the jump we saw in Lavinio back in 2017, this thing also, from a distance, shone like a beacon of hope <laughs> for the entire North Yorkshire Dales or wherever it bloody was. But, <laughs> yeah, and then it, it went up in flames. Yeah, it did go up in flames. Don't think it was insured. Sure. I thought that was the whole point. <laughs> Right then, making tracks uh, synonymous with the fresh stuff, with the P-Tex, with the waxing. It's music. It goes hand in hand with ski and snowboarding. So we want to know, what are your making tracks? Three choices, three different tracks for three different occasions. Uh, track number one, what do you put your boots onto in the morning? Um... That there's, uh, I had to think, think long and hard on this, actually, because in the mornings you want to listen to a song that really gets you motivated to go skiing. <laughs> actually, just to put the boots on because they kill. Ski boots terrible. Um, but, yeah, Boot Room <laughs> Track um, is a, it's a song called Show Me The Way by Dilated People. Hello to my people, hello to the day. I watch the world on wheels, hit the yellow and grey. I like that a lot. I've never heard that before. It was it was a track we used in one of our ski movies a few years ago, and it brings back a lot of good memories. And there's a line in it which is, "The harder the work, the longer the day," and that's just like, for me, it's like putting more effort in, and then it's you know it's going to be a long day, and it just gets me motivated to get out there. It's also, that's like a soundtrack for the era because a lot of dilated peoples came out and they were in a lot of snowboard movies as well and then a lot of the American ski movies, they would uh, delve deep on those 
on those albums and use those tracks as well. So yeah, it's good. I know what you mean about Dilate Peoples. It, it takes me right back to that era as well. Love it. What's your next track, Paddy? Going down the hill. What's your track? Um, my track is I'd Love to Change the World um, 10 Years After. Oh, you'll, you'll know literally it. Literally no idea. I mean, it's 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 old school, isn't it? Night. That's you know, that's a seventies track, nineteen seventies. I mean, are you into other seventies music as well? Or? Yeah, it's like just one of it's like one of those songs that you imagine that's like in the forest in Forest Gump, you know, um, kind of one of those like Vietnam War film um, soundtracks. And it's just yeah, classic rock and roll. I think that genre of music from that time is really nice, like Credence Clearwater Revival and. You know, some Jimmy oh, Hendrix. Oh, love a bit and... of Credence. Yeah. For me, I love that, you know, because they're recording on just, you know, it's old analog recording, they're recording onto tape. It's got a sort of a softer sound to the way that, like, the, the drums come through in rock music today. Like, it, 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 there's something about it which is really, like, really, really lovely. I, I love, that's a great track. I love that. Yeah, and they were all just, like, hippies and they're all stoned, so they were just, like, you know, and... <laughs> I mean, when whenever you go, whenever you go skiing, you're always stoned. You don't know. Um, whenever you go riding <laughs> and you're skiing down, you want to, you know, you just kind of like think of these songs and you think you're in a movie, and then you know you start moving to the music, and yeah, it's just a, a nice upbeat track that sort of anything that puts a smile on my face. That's what I'll, I'll listen to on the way down. Right then, final track. You've had a hard day on the slopes. You're you're nearly as tired as you were after Red Bull's home run back in Lax <laughs> all those years ago. What song do you want? And now I know you like enjoy you you enjoy a beer. You are a professional athlete, but I know that you enjoy a beer occasionally when your schedule permits. Um, there's a beer waiting for you at the bar. What song do you want to be playing when you walk into that apre bar? It's Daddy Cool, Bonio. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> Are we just talking full apre vibes here? What? What's the? Is there? A, is there a meaning behind this? Is this something between you and Andrea? Is this a? Are you now daddy cool? Are you? You? I mean, you are a rad dad. Uh, no, definitely not. It comes from um, also another story from the Brits. Being at the Brits with with some of the the guys that I grew up skiing with, and that just kind of turned into a bit of the theme song um of of the sesh basically it might have started when <laughs> when billy became a dad or something but it's just it's just a good like disco track you know and um yeah just good vibes you know it's got like when it when it starts it's like and then like it it drops in can't can't beat it love it absolutely love it she's crazy like Paddy, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here in the Apre Log Cabin with me and Ollie. You're welcome absolutely any time. Yeah, of course. And I, because I've, I, we, we've never met before. And so this is really, you know, I know that you've met Tim on multiple occasions. So it's really lovely to, he, he's mentioned your name like a million and one times in, in various conversations about whatever. Uh, so it's really lovely to finally well, meet Paddy's, you. And, Paddy's, uh, my, Paddy's my one friend that I tell everybody about, and I'm so desperate for him to like me as much <laughs> as I like him. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, it. I, I have to try, try and be so cool when I'm around Paddy. And I always just think he thinks of me as like, oh, there's the old guy again. No, Tim, Tim, you see, you gotta oh, give, you gotta geez. give up on this. You know, you gotta give up on trying to be cool in this industry. I've, I gave up a long fucking time ago. I cannot. I, I don't even bother. <laughs> Ollie, we it. know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just give up. But I give up. I don't care. Tim, um, Tim, Tim's a, a big inspiration to me though, because he was. He was making his really cool snowboard movies back in the day. 
uh, which I absolutely loved. I used to watch them all the time. Wasn't a snowboarder, watched them all the time. Always had a good soundtrack. That was probably Gendel though. Um, and yeah, no, I really admire what Tim Tim does. You know, like he's uh, he's got a great career and I love, uh, just love watching his Instagram Aww. stories. Yeah, well, that, it's really um, funny that, because that, we, um, we're chatting. We were just sorry, chatting Tim, just today just, about no, no. About I'm going to I'm going to talk all over you. I'm going to talk all over you, no, Tim. I'm, I'm going to talk. No, I am. Gonna no, because I was going to edit that. I was going to literally. No, no, cut no. You no, out I wasn't, no, I'm going to talk all over you. No, I'm going to talk all over you because I just all I wanted to say is that that Adam Gendel is really talented, isn't he? He's really good at making films. Like I, you know, he's great. Yeah, so I was saying today, I was actually mentioning <laughs> you today, Paddy. Um, <laughs> You've ruined it. I don't fine. know if it's you or Say the delay it. that ruins this podcast. It's bro- no, uh, well, what, me. It's, it's me. No, 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 go on, go on, go on, go on with your sentimental No, what I was going to say, no, genuinely, fine. genuinely, I get asked a lot. Work, I do work for Ski Sunday on BBC and I get oh asked by a load of weirdos and I've been asked it again today there was a guy out on the slopes today and he recognised Shemi and we said hello and we chatted and he went oh and how would you find the whole skiers versus snowboarders and I was like really 2022 this is still like it's, it's like it's not a thing it's never been a thing I've never once experienced the skiers versus snowboarders and like I think like the AIM series brought us all together in the early 90s and the late 90s where skiers and snowboarders would turn up on the same day and we'd all shred the same jumps and hang out together. And it was wicked. And like I mentioned you today, I said, yeah, because I used to hang out with Paddy and I'd ski, he'd ride my snowboard and I'd have a go on his skis and I'd ski badly and he'd snowboard really well. And um, yeah, so it's like never been a thing. So I can't remember why I was going to say that because Ollie started talking about Adam No, it's Gendel, fine. You just but, lost um, your train of thought. It's just useless, just yeah. pointless little nattering that you just you just threw in there. No, it was a really lovely Thanks, sentiment, man. Tim. I enjoyed it partially. Yeah, it was great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been it, it has it's been it's been really lovely meeting you, Paddy. So um, we will welcome you back anytime. Yeah, bring us some more anytime. more taxidermy stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good to go with my bear. Yeah, please. Yeah, I want that. I want some more taxidermy. The one thing that I would really like is um, a stuffed dolphin. Paddy, genuinely, like, really wonderful having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for doing doing this, coming along to our, our, our Log Cabin podcast studio. I've really enjoyed meeting you, hearing your stories. And I want to have you back because I actually I feel deeply unprepared for this conversation with you. And I feel like next time I'll know more about you and I'll have better questions to ask you. That's genuinely how I feel. I had a great time. Thank you very much for having me in the log cabin. Loved it. Um, and yeah, reminiscing, more than reminiscing over the uh, the good old we days. We love a reminisce. Hey, and very quickly before you do go, because to our uh, audience, like you said, they are skiers and snowboarders. They froth it. They love it. They drink it in. Uh, give us a little insight. There's surely another Legs of Steel project, isn't there? Can they expect another film? next winter what what's the deal yeah we've been um we've been working hard this year there are a couple of films coming up um that we've been working on with a couple of athletes one with um sam antimatten he's a um he's basically a mountain man who can yeah. do everything and another film with dennis ranalter he's a skier in austria I'm making a film with him and we've got something really special coming in um, in the fall, in autumn. <laughs> uh, we're going to do an event. We're going to run a competition. Oh. Now, we've done one competition before. It was called the Sketch Fest. <laughs> Sketch Fest was the sketchiest competition you've ever seen. Okay. Um, but this one's going to be less sketchy. Um, and it's got a, we've got some sick riders coming. Um, so, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. We'll have a live stream going. Oh, well, take it easy, Paddy. Thanks so much for coming in. And uh, don't forget your drink. Finish it up. Finish up your eggnog, you fucking weirdo. Drink. <laughs> Thanks for the eggnog. Yeah, yeah, it's getting a bit warm now. <laughs> Close the door on your way out. Close the door. Close, Close the door on your way out. What a lovely guy. I've never met him before. You've spoken about him an awful lot, but he's very, very friendly. He reminds me an awful lot of Billy Morgan, actually. They seem very similar. Well, I guess, yeah, but, you know, both top of their game, what they do, and Red Bull athletes, and Red Bull don't sponsor idiots. They don't sponsor dicks, really. They, you know, they, they, you'll, you'll often find, and that's actually a good thing about being a, a presenter or working in the industry, you know, when you, uh, as a broadcaster or a journalist or anything, is if you're at an event and you spot somebody with a Red Bull helmet or a Red Bull logo or a T-shirt or a sticker, 
competing in that event and you want a good answer, a good soundbite, you talk to them because you know they're going to give you a good answer because Red Bull don't sponsor rubbish athletes. They sponsor people that are engaging and nice and friendly. And yeah, so there you go. I wonder how they. I wonder how they find them. They got like a rebel version of Tinder where they can just sort of swipe all the shit ones out and get rid of them. <laughs> That's funny for you. That was a good one. <laughs> it's they do. They go, but they do. They put them through a process. They one hundred percent do. You know, they have the full on interview. You know, they don't just pluck these kids out of obscurity and go, yeah, give him a hat, he'll do. And then you know, because it's, it's you're a brand ambassador. You you're repping the. You're repping the bull, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? You've got to be able to deliver in, in more ways than one, both on and off the slopes or the course or the track or the hill or the jumps or bike or whatever it is. Yeah, Why so there you, you go. But Why yes, back to Paddy. Yeah, he is, he, what an he, absolute he, he, legend. Absolute legend. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like you know what? When you, And I hate... I kept bringing up his age. I feel really bad for bringing up his age the whole time. because I know, it's really me. I'm older than him, so I don't know why I kept bringing it up. But it's just one of those things because you think it is an industry where, you know, as you get older, you're less likely to be able to continue doing it and be successful and earn money from it in that way that he has been doing. And he seems very, like, very much you know just very comfortable in his own skin he's kind of he's found his niche hasn't he he's just found his way mm. of being part of the industry and being a really important part of it and yeah i really respect that he's just he's he's great he's, he's just a really lovely guy there's not many people that would be able to do that or be as comfortable in the position that that he seems to you know comfortable enough to kind of go fuck it i'm gonna have a kid you know and a kid he's got a kid now you know i just i, I like that and he, you know he's adapted and he you know started out freestyle and then turned to backcountry freestyle and you heard him talk then about potentially ending up on the free ride world tour it seems like a bit of a natural fit for him maybe i don't know um but yeah just a legend and his movies are brilliant and they're timeless as well it's it's really nice you know if you want to go back and look through the back catalogue of legs of steel movies um, Passengers, my favourite from a few years ago. Just really epic. Great soundtracks, great shots, just new things that you'd never seen before in movies. So, yeah, really good. Well, sadly, that's it. Well, for me, not for yeah. you. I can't wait to get out of this fart ridden wooden box of a podcast studio, Tim. I mean, come on. <laughs> hey, um, thank you. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can, of course, spread the love. Give us a follow on the socials. You know what to do. Give us a share. Or just tell your mates old-fashioned style. You know, when you used to tell people about things, you'd be going, oh, have you seen that on TV? Have you heard that podcast? Uh, do you know what to do? Just tell everybody about us and uh, let them know. Yeah, and if you've got any questions for us as well or you just want to get in touch, feedback of the show, anything, you can email us, uh, theappraypod at gmail.com. We do like getting your feedback. And until next time. Bye. 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 Skull, skull, skull. Tschüss. Tschüss. Auf Wiedersehen. Ciao. Dankeschön. Any more? See you, mate. <laughs>